Hello, welcome to Studio Talks. My name's James Swift. I'm Josh McNaughton, and our guest today is... Anno. Hello, Brandreth. Hey, Anno. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm good. Doing well. Yourself? Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, I'm yeah. good. Yeah. Um, so, how are you doing and what have you been up to lately? Okay, I'm doing okay. I'm doing as, as, as good as everyone else, I think, in these situations. Um, I, I am actually working, so... I work kind of eight till four anyway, doing, you know, my normal job. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've pretty much got a routine together, you know, so it, it's not, it's not too bad. And then, you know, I'm watching the, probably the same telly as everybody else is at, at night and just trying to chill out a bit and relax. Yeah, you know? I never thought I'd catch up with like Netflix and stuff like that. Um, it is good catching up with stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, you know, have you ever watched this? And, uh, what's your history with the studio? Okay, uh, it's quite long and quite convoluted, actually. I, I mean, it, I originally knew quite a few of the people that are behind it. So Jackie and Bill had done recording with bands in the basement. Um, and obviously, I'd known them from kind of the Adams family, the band that they were in. I knew Greg and Louise for a long time. So again, you know, I had the connection with them and... and through things like feedback and doing things like ballistic acoustic, it was it was round about then that the studio came on board and they were talking about opening it up kind of because of the Queen's Hall situation and stuff. So so I was actually one of the, the third people that were in there because we had it was myself and Greg and Bill Leach uh, with a big hammer and a screwdriver and we actually went through the door and bashed the door down and went in and it was just crazy it was it was full of pigeons and uh, it was just mad it was absolutely mad and there was it was dark there was no lighting and you kind of looked at it and thought well it's got potential but we're not sure what for so it was quite interesting really and from that kind of point on i've always been kind of lurking in the shadows doing different things, doing musical stuff. So it so got involved kind of that way. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So, so I think that's, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's how I got involved. Well, that's brilliant. What is your history with music in general? Right, okay. So I'm a big music fan. I've got two big passions in my life. One is natural history and one is music. I've always listened to music, and, and when, I, when I was in school, I was, uh, we were all into kind of rock and heavy rock, so we were the kind of crowd that had longer, and, and you know, the teachers used to moan about us. But there was four of us that had a band. Well, there were four people that had a band, and they needed a bass player, and they come to me and said, you can play bass. So I got, uh, I got a bass. My brother bought me my first bass, which was a Grant Precision copy, which is, I haven't got anymore, unfortunately. And then probably about two years later, I bought an amplifier. So it shows you how, you know, how committed we were to the doors. And we used to rehearse in someone's living room, and we used to do things. We used to do like covers by Kiss and Gillen and Whitesnake and people like that and, th- and that was really how it started and then I got into other bands I got into my first band was called Eric the Vagrant that was a bit punky and a bit kind of clashish and echoing the Bunnymen kind of stuff then I took some time out and eventually came back and joined the Pond Dwellers which obviously was Clive's band uh, I'm one of the 34 bass players that have been in the Pond Dwellers so um, I mean that was great I had an absolutely fantastic time all over the northwest kind of doing stuff and then in various things you know and, and now I'm still doing. I'm still in three bands. You know, I've got I've got Red Monk, which I'm sure we will talk about later. Yeah. I'm also part of Slaughterhouse, which is a covers band with John Chatterton, who, who you'll both know. And I've revolving line of drummers, which currently has Diz Diz McMullen, who's, who's great. And I'm now playing. I have been playing for the last two years in a tribute band, which is something I never thought I would do. But uh, I sing for an ACDC tribute because ACDC have always been someone that I really like from kind of when. 
when I was, when I was in school when I was a kid. Because you did it was like a a takeover gig the other the other month. What was that like for you? It was brilliant. It was really good. What we wanted to do is we need, we wanted to do a showcase where we could do the live set. Mm. Uh, invite only. Invite people that we knew. Invite people like yourselves from the studio, do a bit of recording, do, you know, do a bit of filming and just see how it worked and if it worked. Because obviously when, you, when you've when you got four or five people in a recording studio, you know, meeting up once a week, it, it sounds okay to you. It sounds good and it sounds like you're doing, you're doing the right thing. Mm. But it's important to get that feedback. So rather than doing a full-on gig, we decided to do the, show, the showcase. And obviously... The first place I thought about was the studio because I think the studio is such a great venue with, with great people and, you know, great equipment. So that's how we ended up doing that. And it was a great night, you know. It was really, show. really good. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I enjoyed that as well. Just sitting behind the bar, just listening. Definitely. Yeah, that's right. You were behind the bar, weren't you, Josh? That's right. Yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it was good. You know, and it, it was and it's, really good. it's always great to kind of look out and see people that you know and, and the other thing is, when people know you, they, they, they can be honest with you. And that mm. was the other reason for it, you know. Because the lads from, from the band, I mean, one of the lads is from Wales, another two are from the Wirral, there's a, a guy from Liverpool. So, you know, they brought people in, and again, we got the feedback from that, which was good. Unfortunately, we've not done a gig since because of the COVID situation. Yeah, so exactly. it's like we're absolutely itching to do something. Mm. And we've been doing, you know, trying to do things on online and stuff, but it's... For an ACDC tribute band, it's, it's not easy. It's got to be hard, doesn't it? Yeah. can't imagine there's a lot of an acoustic covers you can do for that one. You can, but they don't sound quite the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is the origins of Red Monk? Right, okay. So Red Monk is basically me and Carl. Carl Hornby, mate of mine. Uh, we we were in various bands together. I think we the, the last band that we were in, there was McFly, the original McFly, not the McFly that you know. Yeah. Um, that became a band called Loki. Loki were great. I always wanted to have a really good witness-based rock band, and Loki were it. They were absolutely brilliant. Really, really, really enjoyed being in Loki. That kind of folded, and we had Crack Jack Jackson. Crack Jack Jackson was a three-piece. There was myself and Carl and a German drummer guy from Berlin. And we're still in touch with that. Fantastic drummer, lovely guy. Mm. But he had to go back to Berlin. He had a family in Berlin, but he, he was working over here. So that was how we did that. And we did an acoustic gig at the park in, in Victoria Park. And it went well and we got some good feedback from it. So I was always trying to convince Carl to do something acoustic. And he was fighting tooth and nail against it because... He likes plugging a Gibson Les Paul into a big amp and just kind of thrashing away at it. But he's he's become a really, really good acoustic musician now. And the, the combination of, of the acoustic stuff and me playing fretless bass, I think works quite well. So it's a totally different thing. It's a, it's a little bit folky. And, you know, we write about, we've wrote a few things about where we come from. Uh, we've wrote things about just things that happen in the news and, you know, and, and that's that's how that came about really it, it was it was kind of from necessity because we we couldn't get a drummer drummers are really really difficult to find isn't it? and once once you find one keeping older ones you know really difficult as well so it was just really 
a way of kind of being able to do something that the two of us and to write and to be creative uh, and mm. you know, a good write, writing partnership and the way that that works and it's something that, that we both really like and we've been able to do a lot of stuff at the studio when the you know acoustic work you've played quite a couple of um authentic acoustic as as red monkeys yes. and yeah, it's been really right. really good so one one of the things that you've done over the past couple of years is obviously get more in common going like the song itself what inspired yeah. you to start the project of more in common the song right okay so so what happened was we the first gig that red monk ever played was actually um i think the very first studio more in common um uh, the you know the great get together rather so we've always kind of done it and we're due to do something for this one but after i think it was the second one laura laura bevan said um you know she was looking for ideas of how you could take it on beyond the actual gig that, that was on over the weekend so I was kind of thinking about this and I've always been conscious that there are a lot of people around the studio doing different things, including, you know, people that were doing the jam, jam sessions like yourselves, writers, you know, the choir and all the rest of it. So I was trying to think of, of something that would bring us all together. And one of the things that I thought about was writing a song and putting a song together. And originally I had this idea of actually doing it over a weekend and doing it in 48 hours or something stupid like that. And, and, the coordination of it, we, we couldn't actually do that because it was it was getting people to pledge to, to, to being involved. And so I decided from that to do some workshops and things, which, mm. which were quite successful. And then to, to go and speak to the people that were doing the lyrics, you know, the, the, the writing group, which I think do some fantastic work. And to speak to the tech people, like, you know, like yourselves, and, uh, and obviously Steve Cole, who was a big part of it. And just to try and get as many people involved as possible. And for me, it was it was almost like, like the blue touch paper in you know retreat to the back i i really didn't want to do a great deal and i think one of the first things i said was i don't want to play bass on it mm. and obviously we've got georgina who did a fantastic job on it i didn't really want to do that i didn't particularly want to sing on it i didn't want to so, so it was really to kind of almost project manage it a couple of my jobs have been in project management so it was to try to do that and obviously you know, through the thing, you do get involved and obviously we've been involved in live presentations of it and, and stuff like that and very much in, involved in the recording of it, you know, being in the room with Steve listening to it coming back. But I think it's, I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great piece of work. I really enjoyed the process and that, that was what it was all about, trying to bring people closer together.
saw Big divide It's not so deep And it's not so wide Take your hand And I'll be your guide Cross the bridge To the other side what you originally envisioned when you came up with the concept no i i wanted it to be thrash metal mm. um, no it was um the thing with it was i wanted it to grow i wanted it to kind of grow organically a bit of tambourine going on and stuff like that mm. i think whatever it, whatever came out at the end of it was was going to be valid anyway and i think one of the things that i didn't want to do was to kind of put my stamp on it say you know, it's got to have fretless bass and it's got to have double tom-toms and all that kind of stuff wasn't really what my role was about. So the fact that it was taken and it grew organically and we looked at, with the choir, we looked at the vocals and, and then someone had the idea of putting a mandolin on and, and mm. I just think it worked really, really well. So, so it became, it probably became better than I would have expected really. And, uh, you know, I think the people that got involved hopefully enjoyed it. Yeah, and, and hopefully that those people also went on to do other things as well. You know, I mean, now, you know, if I've got downtime and I, and I go on and I check Instagram or something like that, I'll find John Bostock playing tunes or Keith in isolation and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's absolutely great. I think if it's, if it's given them the impetus to, to actually go and do that, I think that's great. Not that they weren't doing it before. Mm. It's definitely a kickstart, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So slightly off topic, but you mentioned it before. What inspires you about nature specifically? Right. It's a, well, it's a, it's a different thing, isn't it? I mean, I've, I've always been into kind of wildlife and things like that since I was a kid. Even when I was really young, I used to, I mean, like my mum and dad would buy me animal books and I'd watch things on the telly and stuff like that. But then once I started to kind of go out and about, I used to notice things like kestrels and things like that. Mm. And our generation, if you were kicked out in the morning, you were out all day and you, you went playing in woods or around ponds and places now that are probably deemed to be really, really dangerous and need risk assessing and stuff like that. At that time, it was, you know, we were, it, it was a more kind of naive time, but it enabled you to get out and actually enjoy the countryside. So it, it started with that. When I finished school, I finished school and I didn't have any real qualifications because I was... Uh, the only A-level I had was, was in class cloud. So I was kind of the class cloud. So I never, never really did much. Uh, listened to music and, and, you know, read comics and stuff like that. Um, but when I come out, I got my first job. My first job was on a building site. And I was on a building site. And, and I mean, I was up and down a ladder with, with like 12 bricks on a hob and stuff like that. And hated it. Absolutely hated it. The second job was in a garage. I think the second day I had to take the engine out of the car. And I was just covered in oil and stuff like that. And a mate of mine walked past 
and he come and he come in and he said, What are you doing? I said, I'm taking this engine out of the car and I'm hating every minute of it. And he said, Well, why don't you come and work with us? And and it was actually it was Warrington Runcorn Development Corporation's Ranger Service. Mm-hmm. And I worked the Ranger Service for about probably about ten years. And from being kind of on three days a week at Norton Priory, Norton Priory Wall Garden. I just went kind of up and up and eventually became like a supervisor from there and did some lecturing about tree surgery and, and ecology and stuff like that. But I've always been, I've always been really interested in it. I'm a bird watcher. I really, really have a big interest in uh, cetaceans, dolphins and whales and things, um, which has enabled me to actually to get, you know, quite a bit around the world. I've been to South America and stuff because... Oh, wow. I've done some um, cruise speaking, so I've I've been abroad, which is great because I couldn't afford to get abroad. But I, I do it by that, and it, and it means I've seen you know lots and lots of things like blue whales and killer whales and stuff like that. So, so it's yeah, it's kind of a bit of an obsession. And I mean, recently, I think I've, I've done something where uh, I was doing six birds, six garden birds, which became part of, I, I think, the, the, the videos from the studio. So that was quite nice. You know, mm-hmm. that was a, but it's, it's great. And I mean, if I do solo stuff music-wise, you will find a lot of influences. And if I write lyrics, sometimes in the lyrics, it'll, it'll refer to birds or, or clouds or, you know, you know, whatever it is. I think it kind of fits together sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. Even in some of the Red Monk stuff, I mean, Nightwing, which is the real jazzy one that we usually open with, that's about when I do my, I do some freelance ecology, so I do some surveying of bats. And when you're in the dark and you're surveying bats and you're completely pitch black and you've got headphones on and you're listening to the noises that the bats are making, it's a very, very atmospheric thing. And I, I mean, Carl was, was asking me about it. Two weeks later, he said, I've written a song and it's called Nightwing and it's about you and the bats. And it was really, really good because it's not kind of, if you, if you read it and you, and you looked at it, you wouldn't immediately get what it's about, you know. Mm. So that was that was really good to kind of incorporate that into it. I've often found that with you specifically, where what you said at the beginning about them being your two passions. Yeah. You do. You once came to our school and did like a you did a lesson about mixing um, nature and music together. Um, oh right, okay, yeah. And that that was really really interesting. I remember that being really. I missed. I was off the day before where we actually oh, went okay. to Norton Priory. So like I didn't understand it at first, and I was like, no. Yeah. But no, it was really, it was really interesting. You do have that that effect of making nature and music mix together perfectly without it seamlessly yeah. almost. Well, I think it's always, it's always for me been about education. It's always been about mm. environmental education. So if I'm passionate about something, I can kind of pass it on to to people. And, and one of the things that I don't like in education, and I don't like with some people, is they have this thing that. You know, that knowledge is power thing and they keep mm. it to themselves and they don't share it. And it just it just ends up, you know, it doesn't go anywhere. It's, exactly, it's not yeah. a kind of positive thing, you know. Where can people find you online? I, well, I mean, on all the kind of platforms. Of, um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Instagram and Facebook-wise, I use um, the handle that I use is the hesitant weasel. Um, okay. which is because uh, people sometimes see you know when when they when they're doing stuff uh, live and, and the hesitant weasel comes up I think most people don't realize that that's me because I used to I used to run a blog site and stuff and it, I'd put kind of sightings and things like that on but 
to be honest, it just I just couldn't find the time to keep doing it. Mm. So um, what I do now, I, I do use I use Twitter quite a bit, and I've got into um, I have got more and more into kind of Instagram. But Instagram mostly is kind of natural history stuff. So I'll put pictures of moths up and things like that because that's you know that's what I take photographs of. So yeah, exactly. So yeah. So where can people find your music as well online? Music-wise, um, I've got SoundCloud. There's there's a lot of stuff on SoundCloud, including, I mean, it, it's under as Anno Brandreth, but we've got um, Red Monk stuff that was recorded in the studio, actually, with Steve. Um, it's got Loki stuff. It might even have some Cracker Jack Jackson, and it's got solo acoustic stuff as well because I, I do write stuff. Um, in fact, I've just got, I've just actually bought myself a little Porter studio to try and get some of the solo stuff as i call it down because when you're doing so much with other bands it tends to get forgotten so um i'm hoping at some point to try and get you know try and get a few tracks down for that and you know maybe put that i, I mean I, i've got no disillusions i'm never going to be a rock star you know what i mean but if it's there for people to listen and they get something from it and they can take something from it then that's fine i was literally saying this to, to josh earlier today where I have a Bandcamp account because yeah. I'm not expecting to become world famous, but I still want to put it somewhere. If that makes sense, so I think that's I think that's completely reliable. Yeah. Um, if nothing else, it's kind of like a virtual shelf, isn't it? It's kind of a exactly, virtual yeah. shelf to put all your stuff on. Exactly, um, yeah. and you can kind of cherry pick it, and if there's stuff you like, there's stuff you like. I mean, I've got lots and lots of people that I know that use things like SoundCloud. You know, one of me. Um, a, a guy that I know who's uh, part of the family in Nottingham, he puts a lot of stuff on, you know, and, and it's great to, to listen to his stuff. It's totally different from my stuff. Mm. Um, you know, but there's some really good stuff on there, I think. And Bandcamp is one that actually people have told me I've got to get into. And, and it's, It is a good platform, platform, to be honest. Yeah. It is a good platform. I've had loads of recommendations from people saying, you know, listen to this on, on Bandcamp. So, yeah. Thank you for thank you for uh, doing this for joining us no today. Problem. It's been absolutely really great. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, um, I hope you. I'm gonna practice that outro now. Are you ready? All right. Yeah. Go on. I hope you stay safe and okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Very sincere. I like the okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Right, I'll see you later. Thank you very much. Bye. See you soon. <laughs>